This is She Sparks Tech, a podcast about women who take technology to heart in their careers. We will explore stories about women who think creatively, find new directions, solve problems, and chase passions, all through technology. I'm your host, Casey Bertelsman, and I am excited about showcasing amazing women and their careers, covering both expected and unexpected directions to expand our idea of tech careers, and in hopes of inspiring each of us to think a little bit bigger. Sasha, I'm so excited to have you here with me today on the She Sparks Tech podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, Casey. Thank you for having me. I'm Sasha Yablonowski. I'm a co-founder, co-CEO here at LoneSpark. Just launched this company a couple of years ago, so excited to talk about all things tech. Wonderful. So you're a newer founder, but let's start at the beginning of your career journey. What was it like for you getting your first full-time career role? Okay. It was not a straight and a path. So I actually, because of a car accident I was in while I was at college, I had to drop out of college. So my first time job was before I finished college and I was an office manager for a real estate company in Boston. So that was my full-time job. I ran the office. I fixed printers. I answered calls. (laughs) But there's a lot of very relatable skills that you Earn, that you learn in a setting like that. So much multitasking and people management and stuff that people take for granted until you're not there one day and no one knows how to fix anything. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> and so you you went back to university. Was that, um, how long after that was that? Had you had other stops along your way, on the way? Yeah, it was several years. When I went back to school, I was working full-time jobs. I never really stopped working. So I finished my school at night. As a student, while I continued my kind of full-time journey, I didn't see the reason to stop at that point. So, you know, it was kind of taking on one job after the other. And to your point, using the transferable skills that I, you know, kind of learned along the way. To your point, it's you know, multitasking, people management, relationship management, managing up, managing down, the works, you learn it all. I'm doing a lot of different types of jobs. I eventually um, self-taught myself and educated myself on how to be a computer administrator, an IT technician. So I worked those jobs as well. I was one of software installers when WebMD first launched and I was driving medical office to medical office installing software in those practices offices so they can use the WebMD tools. I worked on email servers. I was in a server room for many years. That was like a break from being around people for me. But all throughout that time, I was finishing school. And then using just all the different skills that picked up along the way, I ended up progressing in my career doing a lot of different things, but mainly focusing on strategy and customer-facing roles. Yes. And I mean, during that time, you very much climbed the corporate ladder and held many impressive roles. I guess, what were some of those higher level roles like? They were very stressful. So yes, I took some opportunities that I never thought imaginable when I first started out. But I think one of the things I always say is say yes, like even if it scares 
the heck out of you. Just say yes, because the worst thing that can happen is you'll learn your limitations or you'll stretch your bandwidth the way you never thought imaginable. Either way, you'll walk away with knowledge and different perspective of your abilities and whether you fail or succeed in those roles. For me, it worked out well because I always joke I'm a bit of a masochist. I like self-inflicted pain. So Working long hours, being in kind of high stress situations, which is, it's always stressful when you're finding yourself in the role you haven't done before. No one's born a CEO or a founder. Like we all find our way there through a combination of different experiences. So those worked out for me. I was, you know, a VP of a really large organization that ended up going public. And then I was a president at an HR company, tech company for many years. So it's been an interesting journey, but it's been good. I've learned a lot along the way, made a lot of mistakes, learned a lot of things, improved my skill set and how I work with people tremendously throughout my journey. And that's kind of, you know, that's that's everything I've been able to take away from it and continue to in my current role today, too. Yes. And I guess at what point did you know that you were interested in being a founder? You wanted, was that before or after the concept came to you? It was after the concept. So I am, I never imagined that I would be a business owner and a founder or an entrepreneur. My family is, a lot of my friends are, but to me, it's just, it's, it's crazy. You have no safety net. Who would do this kind of a thing, right? And you hear all the stories about, you know, the sleepless nights and the, are we making payroll? Are we not making payroll? Are we going under? Are we climbing out of it? It's just, you know, you have coffee with your friends and you talk about their journey and you're like, who in their right mind will want to go through that roller coaster? So for me, it was <laughs> a surprise, but also it was after the concept. So my co- the founder of Lone Spark, my co-founder, Michael, he came up with this concept over the last call it decade, just from his experiences in technology and lending. And when he brought the concept to me and the mission of the company, I just, I fell in love with it. I think what Lone Spark is about is phenomenal and much needed. And I'll touch on that in a moment. But for me, that was the precipice for me to even consider to be a founder and an entrepreneur. It was just the mission was too strong. And also, I think it made sense for me in my career at the time. I just turned 45. We started this company two years ago. And, you know, being in your 40s, in my 40s for me, everybody's journey is different. But being in my 40s, it was like, well, look at all the things I've done. The path is like either I go on this journey and do my own thing that I really firmly believe in that's very different from anything I've ever done before. Or I continue on the path of, you know, taking the next roles of CEO and et cetera for companies and well-known companies and that. And for me, just the mission of Lone Spark was too strong. And I really wanted to do this. Yeah. I I find that's what so many people who are not, you know, solely salary driven, like the, they want to buy into where they're working. They want to be part of that mission. They want to see a change. What so many people love about tech is the creativity and the innovation that comes with us with it. And that's what's so special about startups. There are so many less than ideal things you could say about them, but every single one is different. And that's what makes them fun and exciting to be a part of. 
So can you tell me a little bit more about LoanSpark? Yeah, absolutely. So LoanSpark is created in order to shield, protect SMB owners, a lot of us out there, from predatory practices when it comes to business lending and also to just revamp and recreate lending practices that exist. In consumer lending, there's a lot of compliance laws. There's a lot of regulations that protect the consumer from getting debt. And not all debt is bad debt. And we teach that all the business owners, a lot of it is good debt. Our credit cards and our personal lives, not necessarily bad debt. Unless you mistreat it, it's good debt. It's necessary. Everybody does it. Um, in business lending, it's a little bit of a wild, wild west. There is not as many compliance laws and regulations out there. So there's a lot of brokers and lenders that really take advantage of the business owner. And SMBs are at the economic backbone of this country. I know in the news we talk a lot about big brand names, but at the end of the day, what moves the economy is all of these millions of businesses, the, the shops in your neighborhood and, you know, beyond. So for us, the mission is to protect them from the predatory practices. Now, doing this and fixing the processes of lending industry along the way, one-on-one -on -one with SMB owners, would not have had the impact, the desired impact that we were craving and going for. So our business model is we work with B2B companies that use us to be their white label commercial lending platform and department to then work with their business customers to shield them, guide them, and fund them. So we are a white label business lending as a service provider. So we partner with payments companies, accounting firms, um, platform companies that service SMBs so that we're engaging those B2B companies in the financial health and growth of their SMB customers. Yeah, finding them where they are rather than hoping that they're able to find you in the mass of big names. That's exactly right. And I guess when your your co-founder came to you and was explaining the concept and you're like, yes, I'm in, what was it like the first six months or so as you were really getting into things? More confusing than I thought it would be. So it's interesting because so I come from a corporate background. I've done great things, impressive by most normal standards. And you would think like, you know, you're a little bit of a know-it-all. You ran these half a billion dollar companies. And then Michael has also come from corporate background where he's ran an IPO and many corporate companies. And then when you start a company from scratch, which most CEOs out there do not have experience doing, starting something nothing. You realize that from all the blueprints you've created in your career, some things are play, some things are logic, some things don't. But like, it's almost like breaking apart a big box of a thousand piece puzzle. And the pause is, where do I begin? Like, I need to put this together. There are all of these pieces. I know I need like HR functions. How do I hire people? When do I hire people? How do I afford this? What's my runway? How much do I invest in that? You have all of these pieces, but it's the, where do I begin? And then you begin by making a list of everything that you think you need. And I say you think you need because you realize very quickly that you're pivoting the needs and the priorities daily and sometimes multiple times per day. 
Now, I think people are afraid to talk about this because they feel like or they think it means that they're disorganized or people will assume they don't know what they're doing. I think even the most intelligent people that start their companies from scratch, even Elon Musk, at some point he started somewhere. And I know that he had to pivot and think and change his mind just to figure out the priorities and priorities shift in order to make your business survive. And like the where do you begin? So those early stages are here's our thousand piece puzzle. Where do we begin? Which piece do we put in the second piece first? Yeah. And finding how they line up with each other, because you might be working on one thing, but there's actually three other things that need to happen before this one thing. But until you started that, you're like, I didn't realize because it would have been in place potentially in a larger, more established company. And then I guess you said it's been about two years. So I would guess that you have had a few high points and hopefully lesser low points, but we know that they happen. Can you talk about what some of those have been for you? Low points. Everybody and I know this now, so it's totally normal. I'm super comfortable talking about it. The low points is there are days when you're like, we have failed. I'm a failure. This is not going to work. I think those are the lowest points when there is a glimmer of loss of hope versus hope. I think every founder has that moment, not once, many times throughout their journey until things are stable and really rolling, rolling, rolling. And even then, I think you sometimes you catch yourself. But it's the, I don't think this is going to work. I think we messed this up. This is just, how did we, how did we fail so bad? And then within five minutes, you get to your high point. The high point is, we signed a customer. We closed the deal. We got a paycheck. Something hit the bank account. We can live another day. Or you made that critical hire and you're like, someone wants me as much as I want them, right? Because when you're hiring in the early stage startup, it's you're taking a chance on the investment of the people you're making as much as they're taking a chance on you as an early stage startup company. So those are the highs and the lows. The lows are, this is never going to work, right? Or the lows are, we're out of money. Like, how do we live to see tomorrow? And the highs are, yes, like, you know, things are moving forward. And then you're like on top of the world. And I'm sure you know this because you talk to, you know, founders all the time. The high and the low are not necessarily months apart. It can literally happen in a span of an hour. So it's, I think, managing the emotions, the fears, and just, you know, being disciplined in your day-to-day -day and what you're set out to accomplish becomes incredibly important. Yes. And I guess for you personally, how do you manage that seesaw of emotion when things swing good and bad and, you know, you have a team looking toward you for reassurance or otherwise? What does that look like? It's a combination of being transparent, but also keeping morale high. So as a leader, you can't always share things that you might want to share about the company because the idea is as a founder, as a CEO, as whoever is in the executive suite, whether you're a founder in your startup or whether you're working for another corporation, you will always know more than your employees and your team members. And it's the balance of how much do I disclose to get people to rally and push versus what do I not disclose because you need to make sure that people are focused and mindful in their day to day. 
it's your burden as an executive to take on the, oh shit, moments, right? It's not yours to share with the employees and your team members. So for us in our company, we have these rules that we abide when we hire people, us as leaders and founders, we have principles. And one of them is be radically candid. So when we're missing our targets quarter over quarter, a month over month, we are sharing with our team, but we're also coming up with a plan and saying, here's how we catch up. When we're hitting targets, it's amazing. Let's double the efforts. Let's keep going. And here's what led us here. Like, how do we replicate success? Another one of our mantras here. So it's being transparent because you want people to hustle and you want people to believe in you. But it's also knowing that most of these things are temporary. And the things that are temporary, there's no need to burden your team with that. Now, as a founder, you should be able to also step away in order to reset. I don't have an amazing poker face. I used to. But over the years, not as good at it. So when I'm upset, the team usually picks it up. So if I can, I step away. I have a dog. I walk my dog. Even if it's 15 minutes, it resets your whole mood. Even if it's crappy outside, it's just nice to step out. So I use my dog as the thing or, you know what I mean, like the reason why I can disconnect and reset. But if you don't have a dog, just walk outside or reset or go to the kitchen or step out of your office if you're in an office environment. I just find that changing scenery for even five minutes really resets. Um, and also saying something out loud to release. So like, you know, if I'm alone and I'm not on the call, I'll say, okay, that was a bad moment. Like out loud, I find that if you say it out loud, it actually works. It like releases the knot inside you. And then once you say it out loud, you just kind of, it also dissolves the feelings you have and then you can keep going. So those are some of the tricks. That <laughs> That's what I use. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are really good ones. And then I guess... In your transition from corporate leadership to founder, startup, fintech um, leader now, what would you say, I guess, how would you say your view has changed from the experience in that transition? I don't know that it changed a lot. I think being a founder is a lot harder because you don't have a safety net. So when you are... Working for someone else, even as a CEO, you're guaranteed a paycheck by the investors or whoever owns the company. You're guaranteed for as long as they can't pay you anymore. And either the company goes under or you get replaced or something else happens, right? But as a founder, there's no safety net. There isn't like a board to cut a check. There isn't another owner that you can go to and ask for money. It's just you. So it's literally like doing a trapeze act, but without the safety net on the bottom. So how's that for nerves? Um, but I think that's the perspective is like your mistakes are more costly. And, you know, as a CEO at any company, you are responsible for the well-being of the whole company's employee base and also for your customer satisfaction. But it doesn't quite, it's not quite as much inside your fiber and almost your skin as it is when you are the owner of the company. It's just a different type of pressure, sensation, responsibility, but also different type of pleasure and satisfaction. Yeah, it's it's a high risk, high reward kind of scenario. And I mean, you said like you've had stressful roles, like you joke that you're a masochist and you like the pain and the stress of it all. 
Would you say the stress in something that is yours is for you at this time worth it more than the stress in the previous roles? Yeah, I would say it is worth it. Different types of stress, right? Not all stress is negative. Not all stress is positive. So a lot of it is negative stress. A lot of it is positive stress, but it's different type of stress because for me and just my personality, if something goes wrong, I have no one else to blame but me. And I prefer that kind of control. That means I can fix it easier. And quite frankly, right now we don't have a board of director directors because we're a smaller company. I don't miss presenting at boards. I don't miss meeting with stakeholders and shareholders and reporting to them. That part of corporate life and executive leadership, I don't know actually a single CEO that enjoys board meetings. If they say they're cool with it, they're lying. It's cool. We all have to lie sometimes just to get it through the day. That part of the, of the you know, being in the role, I don't miss. Eventually, we'll have to get there. Eventually, we'll have a board of advisors and a board. But today, that's one of the things I really enjoy not having. But yeah, I mean, just different stress. I prefer this stress. Yes. Yeah, there's something so special about building something that like reflects you and you have complete buy-in to. And you can have buy-in at any company you work. You know, it's... It's the pride that it's yours and you're making it work every single day. Or some days you don't make it work, but you go to sleep and the next day you're still determined to do whatever you can to make it work. And I guess how has this changed your view and expectations of entrepreneurship since you said that you were not initially interested in entrepreneurship? It solidified the fact that you have to be crazy to be an entrepreneur and a business owner. Like there is something a little crazy for those of us that get up every day to do this. Also something very special, of course, but you know, you have to be special, really special to go down this path. And I think it solidified that for me. And also like it awoke something inside me that really makes me feel like I deliver a greater purpose. I've done meaningful things throughout my career. You know, at the HR tech company, it's like you're finding, you're helping people find jobs. It's their livelihood. I think that's meaningful. At the company before that, we were back office operations, also a tech company where we were saving jobs and creating jobs, you know, for a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't have jobs. Before that, I worked um, on a litigation matter, actually Bernie Madoff litigation, where I was part of the team that was in charge of recovering lost funds for all the people that got, that were victims of that, you know, Ponzi scheme. That was very, of course, rewarding and meaningful, giving back the monies that we recovered. So all throughout my career, I've done something special, but this and the way that we are working to shield, protect, and improve the financial future for entrepreneurs and and small business owners, and you know, and and just it just feels so much more special. You know, it awoke like an additional meaningful thing for me. Where the way I wake up in the morning is with more hope, with more mission, with greater purpose. Um, and I know it probably all sounds very pompous, but it's true. Like, it's just, it's how I wake up every morning. And it, that's that's my barometer for knowing that I'm doing the right thing and I'm in the right place. Yes. And like, 
I, I always feel like the way people use some of the language, you know, entrepreneurship or founder or business owner, some people are so hesitant to claim those titles. It feels like I'm not at a level where I can be claiming it or I'm not good enough. Um, and the more you see people embrace it and encourage it at whatever scale it is, um, it makes it more achievable. And, you know, you share viewpoints, you share how to make things better, and then you get more small and medium-sized businesses that drive our economy, which we love to see. How many people don't like to shop small businesses? Like, it's, it's one of my favorite places. Like, that's where I go instead of Amazon. Like, I would much rather pay. And because you see the people who get the purchase email and are so excited about every single purchase, every single listen, every single interaction, there's a person behind it and their livelihood is impacted. Yeah, but it also like it builds this greater sense of community too. Yes. Like you can see tangible results and how it all works. It's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just really powerful. And I love that Lone Spark is so highly intertwined in that also. It's very, very powerful. Sasha, is there anything else you would like to share as we wrap up? No, I just think if you're going to be on this journey, young, old, in the middle of your career, beginning or the end of your career, buckle up. And honestly, the worst thing that can happen is it won't go anywhere. But you just got to do it. I know it's easier said than done. Like if you have aspirations or dreams of starting a business, you have an idea, you think it will help the community, the environment, the country, whatever it is, um, just just go for it. Just go for it to the extent that you can, because overcoming that fear is like step number one. And, you know, I don't really believe that these things fail. I think if it doesn't work out, you've learned, you know what to do differently or you know what never to do again that you wouldn't have otherwise known. So just say yes and go for it. Yeah. The only real way you fail is if you never try. That's, you know, and I really agree with that. People say that and they're like, oh, that's so cliche. It's actually not. It is true words of wisdom. Yes. It's cliche because you say it all the time because it's true. The people who actually know. Yeah. It's true. They Otherwise, it wouldn't be a cliche. It came from somewhere. Well, wonderful. If listeners are interested in reaching out, getting in touch with you, what's the best way they can do that? They can do that on our website, LoneSpark.com or on LinkedIn, Sasha under my name, Sasha Yablonovsky or LoneSpark as well. Perfect. I'll make sure those end up in the show notes for everyone to find them. And thank you so much for joining me, Sasha. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you today. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with Sasha. And it's it's a reminder to me of how powerful openness is. Because if you had asked me in high school about owning my own business or being an entrepreneur or exploring things on my own that way, um, I would have told you that's the last thing I was ever interested in. I wanted stable. I wanted safety net. I did not want to have to be in charge of finding work. And then I ended up in an industry where multiple people are involved in finding work and building the relationships and maintaining relationships that bring work in the door. 
I made the decision to start a podcast, start a business, leave my full-time job. And now the idea of entrepreneurship is not nearly as intimidating. So I encourage everyone to consider entrepreneurship and understand that it doesn't have to be as intimidating of a word. Whether you start by exploring something as a side hustle or a paid hobby or whatever it is, don't be afraid to learn something new and explore if it feels right to you. Find that idea that you think will make a difference to you, to your community, to someone around you, just like Sasha said. In the show notes, you can find details about where to keep up with She Sparks Tech. And I will see you again in two weeks for another great episode. 